What a beautiful Sabbath day it is today on the mountain. Amen. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Amen. My message today, before I begin, I would like to have prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we ask that your will be done. Show us your way, Lord. Show us your will. And lead us into the paths of righteousness so that we will know what our future is. And with you, our future is secure. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. What is your destiny? We all know that a destiny is something off in the future that will be happening to you. Um, definition of destiny is all the events that will necessarily happen to a particular person or any person or thing in the future. Things that will happen. We never want things to happen that are ordained by humans because there's a lot of fault and, and faulty uh, aspects of humans' future. We should trust in God for that future. So the events that take place is my message today in what is your destiny. In the plan of redemption, way before the foundations of this earth before we were uh, created. God put into place a plan. We all know of this plan, the plan of redemption. Or we could say it's all about salvation. And this plan of redemption includes the sacrifice of the unblemished Lamb of God not just uh, uh, the animals that were sacrificed in the Old Testament, but the only unblemished lamb of God. And this plan of redemption, if it had not taken place, there wouldn't be a destiny, there wouldn't be any future. We know that to be true. You know, God gave us something very special when he gave us life. Yes, he created us in his image. And that image is kind of tainted now. And we see it through darkness and bits of light. But one day, that image will be made perfect again. But God also gave us something very important. He gave us our free will, a choice. We all have a choice to choose our future and to choose our destiny. And basically, it's making the best decision that we could ever make in our lives. Really, in my mind, there's only one decision that we should make, and that is to follow Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, if you follow me, you need to pick up your cross first. And I'm not saying literally the way Jesus picked up his cross on the way to uh, the crucifixion, Golgotha. But it means you need to accept whatever trials come your way, and there will be because of me. 
So Jesus is saying, it's basically, it's everything I've started. If you follow me, then people will want to persecute you for my, my name's sake, you know? And we do take on the name of Jesus. It's called Christian. A central figure in the Old Testament is a man named Joshua. You know, I really enjoy reading the book of Joshua and reading that Joshua was not only the general of Israel, and we, they needed a general because they had an army that needed to fight battles against their enemy. And God chose Joshua. Now, in Joshua, we find him about ready to take Israel into the promised land. You know, there weren't very many jobs that God has given man that was more special and important than to take Israel and cross the Jordan River to take Canaan, if, by force if necessary, to take Canaan and battle the enemies. Canaan was the promised land. And we know about this from the study of the book of Joshua. And there's a promised land that has not yet happened. But it is as sure as the promised land that God gave to Israel Aaron in Canaan. This promised land is a whole lot better. Words cannot describe this promised land. Um, I would like to look up a Bible text. Turn with me to the... I don't have coverage here, so... Turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans will tell us a lot more about a destiny. Romans 8, 29, and 30. Paul, he writes with the instruction of the Holy Spirit. It's one text I didn't really bookmark. Um, beginning with verse 29. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Christ, the firstborn of many brothers, that would be his people, his remnant, those that accepted following Jesus. And those he predestined, he also called, and those that he called, he also justified, and those that he justified, he also glorified. Now, I think we all know what justification is. We're justified by our faith in Jesus, and it happens at the moment that we choose Jesus, and we've done what Jesus has done. We're baptized, and then when we come up out of baptism, we've left the old self behind. Glorification is yet to come. You know, God glorified Jesus when he was baptized. 
by saying, I am proud of you, my son. I couldn't be more proud of you. And I'm not quoting it per the text, but that's what basically he says. I'm so proud of you. So we will be glorified one day, but that won't happen until Jesus comes again. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but in Romans, Paul writes about a destiny. And it says that this destiny was predestined before creation, before we were given life. Turn with me to Joshua 1 and verse 5, 5 and 6. I'll give you a little bit to look it up. Joshua 1.5. No one will be able to stand up against you, Joshua, all the days of your life. As I was with you, as I was with Moses before you, so I will be with you. And the next part is, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Where did Joshua get his courage? Where did he get his strength? He could have only gotten it from God, from Jesus. Before he got that strength, he needed to have faith, and he had to follow God's will. He was timid. He was afraid. And all of us would be afraid or timid if we were going into the land of the giants, wouldn't we? But Joshua decided to take on the strength and the courage that God had given him. And it goes on by saying, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people, my children, to inherit the land that I swore to your forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. He doesn't tell them to be just courageous, but be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And I want to add verse 9. Have I, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. And you know, this is what God tells us. This is what Jesus tells us. He told the disciples as he was ascending to his Father, he said, I am with you always, even until the time of the end. I like to say, until I come again. But that's what it is, that day of deliverance. Joshua fulfilled God's will in his life. He accepted God's destiny. And the destiny he had for Joshua, like I said previously, 
was to enter the promised land and be successful. And he said, be very, very courageous. God told him to overthrow all the nations that stood in their pathway. Some of those nations had giants. Some of them were very strong, like Jericho. There was no way that on his own and the armies and the, the, the um, Israel armies could overtake Jericho. There's no way. They couldn't make it. It was a fortress that nobody had penetrated. But with God fighting for Joshua, they did that very thing. That wouldn't have happened if Joshua had not followed God's will. When we follow God's will, we are always victorious. What is your destiny? Is it the destiny that God had for Joshua? I believe it is the same destiny. In all the battles that followed, Joshua overthrew 31 nations. 31 nations in Canaan. It's not a very large place when it comes to land mass. It's only a little part of the Middle East. But he overthrew 31 nations and he couldn't overthrow them effectively unless he killed the kings. God told him, God ordained him that right to do that because he was getting rid of evil. It's always good to get rid of evil. Amen. We should never really question God's ways, even if it means to kill 31 kings. Now the end of Joshua, let's turn to Joshua 24. After they'd had all these victories, Israel had backslidden. It seems like in their history, they keep turning from God and they worship other gods. The gods are the Amorites. Verse 1 of chapter 24 tells us, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, and the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua reminded Israel of when God spoke the Ten Commandments in the desert. They'd heard it. They promised that they would take and, and obey the Ten Commandments, but they didn't. Almost the first chance they got, they broke the first commandment. You break the first, what do they say? You break them all. You break every one. If you cannot obey God and worship God only, you've broken them all. And so... Joshua reminded them, and he says in verse, verse 14, going to 15, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Not a little bit, but all, 100% faithfulness. And I believe we can do that. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt. Don't worship the idols that you worshiped in Egypt. And serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether it be the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites. What god did Moses serve? 
What God did Jacob serve? What God did Abraham serve? He served the God Almighty that created all things. And then he goes on to finish his oratory, his speech. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That should be on our, the tip of our tongue, that we will serve the Lord and only the Lord. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in Bible prophecy. We read about it in Revelation chapter 13. We need to make a decision. Are we going to worship the beast power of this earth? Or are we going to worship Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, the name above all other names? To me, I don't think it's even a question. It's not even a, 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 hardly a decision to make. Do you, do you want to serve man or do you want to serve God? You can't serve them both. You cannot serve them both. So Joshua is a central figure in the Old Testament, if not in the Bible, because it was Joshua that made sure that Israel was blessed. God gave Israel Canaan. It was the promised land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. And you know, if it wasn't Joshua, it was gonna be somebody else, we know that. But it was Joshua that did that. I think we all know a man we know of him. We read about him. We see him in the news. His name is Ben Carson. Do you know Ben Carson is a Seventh-day Adventist? Sure, Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Ben Carson. He grew up in the city of Detroit. His father was nowhere to be seen. He grew up in a single-parent family. He had a brother, and he did not like school. In fact, he was probably one of the worst students. And a, a, a classmate was teasing him. And so Ben thought, I'm going to be a bully here and beat this kid up. You're teasing me and I don't like it. And you know what? That's not the answer. That's never the answer, to beat somebody up. And he pretty near killed him. Wow. You tell me. Have you read the book? <laughs> he pulled a knife or a pocket knife. And if it wasn't for a book that he had in his shirt, he may very well have killed that boy. All right, but it was something that it kept the knife from injuring his classmate. So Ben went home. He was so upset. You know, he could have gone to jail for that, but he went home and he gave his heart to the Lord that day. He spent the whole day in prayer. What do we do when we're in trouble? What should we do when we're in trouble? The first thing is pray. What did Daniel do? He prayed. We should pray. Um, do we need to remember to pray when things are going really good? Oh, that's, those are prayers of praise. We need to praise him for anything that we need and praise him for the joy that he's given to us. Because really, God gives us everything, right? Ben went on to get high grades in high school. And you know, his mother didn't have a lot of money. She worked two, three jobs to get her, her sons through, through school. And when Ben went to college, he got the best grades in college. And his decision, his career decision, was to become a medical doctor. Surgeon. A surgeon. And 
he wanted to be a neurosurgeon. You know what a surgeon, it does the um, operations, you know what part of the body he, he does the, sur the, the surgery? It's the brain. That is the, basically, I think the crowning glory of God that he created our brains. That's what separates us from a plant or an animal who have, they have no brain. We have brains. We have brains so that God can speak to us. And one time, Ben, Dr. Ben Carson, he spent a whole day trying to separate conjoined twins at the head. And it was, a, yeah, Siamese twins. He separated them after, I'm sure, much prayer. And a team of doctors around him, but he was in charge. There was no doubt about it because God was in charge of Ben, in charge of Ben Carson. Now he was there, well, I don't want to go too far ahead of myself, but it was a successful surgery, and both patients lived, but one was just too weak and didn't survive, but the other one has survived and done very well. And so, you know, I think that we need to trust God. We need to trust God that what happened was according to his will, and it's a mystery. But Ben Carson, he became the director of pediatric neurosurgery at John Hopkins Hospital. Have you ever heard of John Hopkins? Yes. It's one of the best in the world. And it says that he had a career of 35 years. 35 years. But you know what? Dr. Carson has continued to serve God, continue to follow the will of God, and he fulfilled his destiny and has fulfilled and continues to fulfill just like Joshua in the Old Testament. He's the author of five books. One of the books is Gifted Hands. Who gave Ben this gift? God. It was God, only God. Uh, with the assist of mentors. Somebody had to teach him in school. He also wrote a book, America the Beautiful. I think we can all concur that America is a beautiful country. And he wrote One Nation. And we know in the past what Abraham Lincoln said, we need to be one nation under God. One nation. I think that's something that we pledge allegiance to, one nation under God. <laughs> And don't ever take God out of the picture. Because when you do, there's no destiny. There's none. And he also, with his wife Candy, started a scholarship fund for deserving young people. Those that got good grades in high school but could not afford higher learning. There was Ben Carson and his wife Candy. Started this scholarship fund. In other words, money came from a scholarship from people that was, were interested in donating that sent these young people to school. Children are very important to Dr. Ben Carson as well as all of us. Um, ben, ha uh, ben has three children, two grandchildren, and 
I believe that he continues to teach his children about God. Ben Carson was invited to a prayer breakfast. In fact, he was invited by President Obama's administration to attend a prayer breakfast, and he was there. And he was the keynote speaker. I believe that's following God's will. And he thought, I never thought it happened once, but it happened again. He was going to be, an, or was a keynote speaker. Um, again, and that included prayer, you know, it was prayer breakfast. Um, we can be proud of men and women who follow God's will and make sure that God is in control, that he's in control of everything. Well, I know that Ben Carson is fulfilling his destiny on this earth, and when you do, there is destiny beyond, beyond this earth. In the Old Testament, there's a woman, very important, she had a very important um, position. She was a young lady. We know her name to be Esther. I don't think she was even an adult, but she, along with other young um, Jewish women, to go in to see the king, and they were going to live in the same palace of the Persian king Xerxes. And Xerxes had decided he wanted to basically divorce his king, queen. And I guess he had the power to do so. And as Vashti, and so she had to leave. And of all the young ladies in Persia, including all of the young um, Jewish women, Xerxes chose Esther to be his queen. Why would Xerxes, the most powerful man on earth, choose Esther? We have some others in this, this story in Esther. We have a man named Mordecai. We have a man named um, Haman. You know, there's always, it seems like, someone on the side of wrong and on the side of right. Haman plotted with others, a conspiracy, and told King Xerxes that all the Jews in Persia around that area of Persia where the capital was, they needed to be killed because they were a threat to his kingdom. Of course, that was a lie. It was a total lie. And Esther was advised by her cousin. He was older, and that was Mordecai. Mordecai was like a father, a mother, an uncle, a trusted family member, and that was all the family Esther had. But Mordecai said to Esther, do not reveal your identity. Mordecai said, I forbid you to do that. Well, I think Mordecai, he listened to God. God instructed Mordecai to tell Esther, do not tell the king, not until later. And we find in 
Esther 4, verse 14. The wise counsel of Mordecai, like it was the counsel and wisdom from God. Esther 4, 14. Hopefully you've turned to that. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Mordecai is telling Esther, it's time for you to speak up. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position, queen of Persia, for such a time as this. Mordecai is telling Esther, God chose you. He didn't choose me. He just chose me to be the one who spoke to you about it. It's kind of like John the Baptist telling everybody, Messiah is on his way. So Mordecai is telling Esther, you need to speak up. When Esther asked if she could come into the presence of Xerxes, like I said, powerful beyond power, could do what he pleases, he could kill people at a whim. That's what kings did. And Esther prayed before she went to see the king. When she did, she was very, very sweet and nice and offered to bring dinner and to spend the evening with, with her king. And of course the guard was there. But this Haman, he was listening and he wanted to find out what was this all about. Esther, as the queen, could have been killed. But she says, you know what's happening? That plot, that decree that they made you make is going to mean the end of me and my people. Talk about anger. Xerxes, I mean, he was mad. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to flip the script on this. Esther, you're safe, and all your people, Mordecai, is safe. And previous to that, Haman built gallows for Mordecai and most of the leaders. And he flipped it, and the King Xerxes says, Haman, you made that, how, uh, that gallows for, for Mordecai, but you're the one that's going to pay the price on those gallows. This is how God works. He protects those that he loves and who follow him. I think Esther fulfilled her destiny. She, through God's power and strength, were able to deliver Israel one more time. One more time. Does God ever break a promise? We read about in the Bible thousands of promises. I'm... I'm not knowing the exact count, but it's well over 3,000 and maybe more. But they're all sure. And they're all for us when we reach the destiny that God has for us. The very first time I read about Esther, I thought, amazing. This young lady, God chose a woman. And why not? We have a wonderful prophetess today, who's not an inspired writer in the Bible, but we know of her as Ellen White. And we wouldn't have the great controversy without her, would we? Amen. We wouldn't have the great controversy. Esther fulfilled her destiny 
by choosing to follow the Lord's will. Can we ever go wrong in choosing the Lord's will? We never go wrong, never. How many of you have heard of Danny Shelton? Little test. We know Danny Shelton. What do we know about Danny Shelton? He is the founder, president, and CEO of a wonderful television show called 3ABN. You know why he named it 3ABN? The Three Angels Broadcasting Network. Do we find out God's will when we see that TV show? Definitely. We definitely see that. Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton. I have a couple of books here as props. The Ten Commandments are very important. These, both of these books are about the Ten Commandments and what man has tried to do to the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. There's no Ten Commandments in many countries of this world, and that's why we need to shed the gospel. A vigilante is somebody that takes it upon themselves without law and order to attack someone, go after them like a bounty hunter, mm -hmm. and arrest. This is what a spiritual vigilante does. They go out to try to get people who follow the Ten Commandments and charge them with some kind of, you know, some charge against them. In 1984, Danny Shelton was impressed to build a television station that would reach the world with the undiluted Three Angels messages. I've had many people ask me, what's that on your lapel? Now I have two pins that I can interchange or wear at the same time. But that one that I've, you know, always wear is the Three Angels messages. This is the broadcast network around the world that Danny Shelton established. Is Danny Shelton fulfilling the will of God? With no, no doubt whatsoever. When you read a book, I mean, when you, you, you write a book, you're committed. He is committed to this. He is committed to the Ten Commandments. That was important for Israel to keep in the Old Testament, and it's just as important today. In Revelation, we find that the remnant are those who what? Keep, keep the Ten Commandments. Are, are any of the remnants those who don't keep the commandments? I hardly think so. And they believe in Jesus Christ and his witness, and they follow Jesus. They take up their cross and follow him. I believe that when you tell others and you help share the gospel with others, that you are doing that very thing. You are fulfilling your destiny here right now. His message was one that would contradict the counterfeit. Who's the greatest counterfeit of all time? Satan. The deceiver, the father of lies. The one who would have you break the commandments. The one that tells you God isn't fair. God is not only fair, he is amazingly wonderful. And we can't thank him and praise him enough. Danny Shelton has answered God's call today. And his shows are on 24-7. We know what 24-7 is about. In networks 
over 100 television stations in this country alone, and it, it is on some cable. In fact, if your cable or satellite doesn't have it, you can ask for it. I'm sure they would do something to get it for you. And you can have your own setup. And I, I can't remember the name of your own setup, but you can get your own satellite dish and your own box, and you can put it into your TV. I'm not that technical to do that, but I know it can be done. I know it can be done. Danny Shelton is a singer. I've heard him sing on his shows. Again, he is sharing God's love for others and all of us. He's a producer, he's a host for his television, and a best-selling author. I, I'm not sure if you can get both of these at the uh, Adventist Book Center, but I highly recommend it because we know the world is attacking God's commandments. Are God's commandments always relevant? Are they forever? Thank God for that. If people do not love God and love others the way Jesus loves us, there is no life. There is no earth. There's no destiny. Danny Shelton continues today as he writes songs praising God. It's good to praise God, isn't it? Did we praise God this morning? Yes. We did, we did. There was a man named Paul. He was not a very good man to begin with. He learned all, his name was Saul before Paul. He learned, uh, he had a teacher that taught him the ways of the hardened Pharisees, the, if you will, the group, the Council of Sanhedrin. And I'm sure he must have had some wealth. His father was a Roman citizen, his mother was a Jew. So it's, it's kind of interesting that his father was a Gentile, mother was Jewish. And Paul was called to be a, ambassador following God's will, the destiny. Paul accepted it. He, he had three missionary journeys. And he went to every church and he, he established churches. He established a large church in Antioch, which is in Damascus, which is in Syria. Other churches, uh, the one in Philippi, the one in Thessalonica, the one in Colossia, and he, he established them, and he left ministers to provide leadership in these churches. One of these was Timothy. Remember reading about Timothy? Paul told Timothy, it doesn't matter your age. If you want to follow God, he'll find a place for you. He'll find a place for you. He'll find a place for all of us, without question. On the way to Damascus, Saul was going to deliver um, these warrants of arrest. He was going after that Antioch church of Christians who called themselves the way. Who is the way? Jesus. Jesus. Only Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. 
He's the life. Do we find much truth on earth? Very little. Do we find truth in the Word of God? Do we find truth in the Word of God? The Bible, exactly. Paul was converted on the way to Damascus. We know about his conversion. We know that God, through Jesus, Jesus being God, was in a bright light and blinded Saul. And, he's, and Jesus said, why do you persecute me, Saul? Why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you? I don't know you. That's sad. You ought to know this person. We all ought to know this person. And Jesus told him, I am the one that was crucified. I'm sure he told him all about being the way, the truth, and the life. And for three days, Paul was lying down, blind, no food, no water. The only company he had was um, the one that was his host where he was staying and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit taught him more in three days than he'd learned in his whole life studying there in the classroom of Gamaliel. Gamaliel spent all this time teaching Paul not very good things. Not teaching him God's will or the destiny that God has for him. Can God flip a switch, turn you around 180 degrees? He does it all the time. He does it all the time. God can take somebody who is an enemy of God and turn them into a friend of God and an ambassador like Paul. Like I said before, Paul went on three missions. He was an ambassador for Christ. He shared the gospel of grace. You know the grace I'm talking about. The gospel of grace, that's the grace of God. It's an undeserving favor. That's what grace is. But he invites us to share in the destiny of all of his people. Paul spent time in jail. He spent time in jail in Jerusalem, time in jail in Rome. And during that time in jail, he witnessed to more people than he did in all his missionary journeys. And he witnesses today when we read about um, Paul's life in the Acts. I call it Acts of the Holy Spirit. You've heard it called Acts of the Apostles, but the apostles were imbued with the Holy Spirit. So it's gotta be Holy Spirit. And I'm wanting to move to a conclusion now. Um, Paul fulfilled his destiny. And you know, he had to pick up his cross. And the, the ruler there, the Caesar, the terrible Caesar in Rome, he wanted to crucify Paul. But he couldn't. Why? He's a Roman citizen. You don't do that. They crucified plenty of Jews, but not a Roman citizen. And Paul realized his fate. But really, it was the destiny that God had told them that he would have. And you know, Jesus tells Martha, and he tells us all, that when, when we believe in Jesus and his destiny, that doesn't matter what happens on this earth. Paul said, what can they do to me? They can hurt my body. 
What more can they do? If God be for me, then who can be against me? Romans 8, 31. Who can be against me? We know that all of heaven and God and the billions and the billions of angels are for us. So if the world is against us and they want our body or they want to hurt us, they're going to do so. And I, I uh, recommend that you read 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 27, that says, it tells us all the times of all of the trials and the horrific things that were done to Paul. Shipwrecked three times. He was bitten by a poisonous snake. Uh, he was stoned. He probably should have died then. He spent a day and a half in the, in the water, in the ocean there, in the Mediterranean. He was persecuted. He was whipped so many times. But his destiny is not just on this earth, and it did not end on this earth. It goes on and on in the future that all of us have. Turn with me in closing uh, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, you know the chapter I'm talking about. Who knows? Hebrews. Hebrews, did I hear it? Hebrews 11. That is the faith chapter. There we go. I had a bookmark there. Beginning with verse 8. 8 to 10 and 13 to 16. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, that's the promised land, obeyed and he went even though he did not know where he was going. Did that show faith? In, on Abraham's part? Yes, it did. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Are we too strangers in a foreign country? This earth is a foreign country. It's a foreign world. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I'd rather live in buildings that God makes instead of buildings that man makes here. I don't know if you heard that, or felt that earthquake that was in Barstow, four and a half. I felt it. Did you feel it? Up here? I felt it here. I was here. Yeah. It was very quick and short, but it was in Barstow. I don't know if there were any buildings that were toppled, but we have had earthquakes here and there and everywhere in this world where the whole building structure collapsed to the ground. When was that earthquake in Crestline? No, it was in Barstow. Oh, I mean, you felt it up here, but it was in Barstow. It was last night. Uh, yeah. Friday night. Yeah, last night, yeah. And, you know, Jesus, he didn't send all these earthquakes to... Uh, to scare us, but to alarm us. He, he, he is, he's sounding the alarm that these things are going to happen in the last days. We need to know what God's destiny is for us. That is how we know what our destiny is. Verse 13 to 16, and I'll close after this. All these people were still living by faith, and this is everybody listed in this 
Hebrews 11, and all of God's faithful from beginning to the present until he comes. They, they're still living by faith when they died. They did not receive things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. How many of you can by faith see it in a distance? I can. The way that Jesus saw the prodigal son in the distance coming to him. You know, it said that the just shall live by faith and not by sight. Because what we see here is not going to last. It's temporal. Things we don't see are forever, for eternity. They admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. We need to think of that. Aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. Where is that country that is promised to God's remnant? If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. There's no return in this. We don't want to come back. We want our destiny fulfilled in heaven and the new earth. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, where there's no more turmoil, no more anarchy, no more sin, no more death. God is not ashamed to be called your God, for he has prepared a city. I'm going to change the last word for us. That's the same thing for them. So what is your destiny? Can we say it together? Heaven is our destiny. Heaven is our goal. And as we read in uh, Philippians, let us strive, let us look forward, not look behind, to the day when Jesus calls us heavenward to live with him and he with us forever and ever. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, help us to understand and know that we have but one destiny, the destiny we call eternity. Eternity, which is a promise of life everlasting. All we need to know is to know and have a relationship with our Savior Jesus and to know the will of God, which is to love him and to love others. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.